Ladies and gentlemen, this is the big announcer of voice saying welcome to the Rockin' Life podcast, Rockin' Life After Divorce, with my good friend, Per Engersteeg. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Paul, for helping to introduce this podcast. This is awesome. So this is my good friend, Paul Orr, and we just reconnected after many years of not being connected. Welcome to this podcast, Paul. Thank you very much for having me here, Pear. And it's great to be connected with you again, man. It was so exciting to how our friendship just picked right up, man. Yeah, and we're gonna get into that a little bit in the podcast about how to reconnect with the friends, old friends that you were friends with and, and sometimes you just lose connection. And uh, I just wanna share a little bit about the podcast and why I do the podcast. Uh, as you know, Paul, I went through a divorce five years ago and I just found out that you'd gone through a divorce in the past as well, just via Facebook. And that's actually how I reconnected with you and asked, let's have a chat about it. Because there's so many people that go through divorce and end up in a very sad state. And a lot of times they don't have what it takes to get out of that spot. And this is a place to share stories about people that gone through divorce in a successful way and bring hope to people to see that there is actually so many people that done the same journey as they're doing right now, but ended up in a very good spot. And that's what the podcast is about. And also bring some tools and some insight in how did you actually do it. We'll chat a little bit about that. And you can find our podcast uh, on any podcast out there. You can also join our Facebook group, Rocking Life After Divorce, where we share and where we connect with each other and we have regular teaching. And also, if you have any questions, please send them to rockinglifepodcast at gmail.com. I've gotten so many questions, so many people are coming in and listening. I have uh, over 100 listeners on a regular basis now. And like I said, Paul, it's so nice to be reconnected. We were good friends in high school. I met you in 1983 on the tennis team. It was you, me, and Jimmy, and a few others. Yeah, Jimmy was great, man. He could smash that ball. He was he, number one. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you came on the scene. I'm, I'm not going to talk in my big announcer voice. I was just, uh, I'll talk in my normal voice. How's that? You came on the scene from Sweden, man. And uh, that's back in the day when Matt Svelander was pretty uh, big in the tennis world. And you were really exciting to, to play tennis with because you really had skills that we didn't have, frankly. And so right away, I thought, I'm going to hang out with this guy and try to learn what I can from him. <laughs> we became very good friends. I know initially when I moved there, I barely knew any English. Uh, my English was so poor. When I landed, the family greeted me and said hello, and I could barely understand what they said. So it took a month or so before I started to understand people. But I knew how to play tennis, so I got on the courts right away. And the first weekend, you know, in Texas in, in August, is quite hot. So I was playing tennis, I don't know with who, but without a cap, and I got a heat stroke. I've never had a heat stroke prior or afterwards. But that was my greeting to Texas, this sun. And I was sick for three days, throwing up. Wow. <laughs> that year was actually super fun. And I got to know awesome friends. And I'm connected with a lot of the friends from Texas back then. 
But yeah. the, you and I lost connection there. I w- went back to Sweden. I went to high school. And back then, they didn't have Facebook. But what did you get out of this reconnecting uh, with me? How do you do that? Yeah, I was so excited to do that. And I'm so glad to be able to call you friend again, because we had a great friendship in high school. And it is one of those things that through the years, as you look back on your life from time to time, you'll think back about the glory days. And there was a lot of, oh, I wonder how he is over there in Europe. And it's great to be able to chat with you now. And you had a big impact on me, man. Slayton, Texas was a crazy time for me. I was a kid from Arkansas here in the States. And my family had bought a radio station and we moved out to West Texas where everybody knows everybody. Yeah. And there's the the Heinrichs and the Hinslers, the German. It's a farming town and it's a great town. But I had a great experience in Slayton right up to the middle of my senior year. And then we sold our radio station and I had the opportunity to stay with friends and finish high school or move with my family. And they were moving to Longview, Texas, a team that actually had a tennis coach because our coach was great, but he was really the basketball coach. And I thought, well, yeah, I'll give it a shot and I'll move. And I have regretted moving in the middle of my senior year because I don't really have like a a class reunion to go back to, or I'm not part of the class of 1986 of Slayton that I would have been. But yeah, so Slayton was a a lot of fun for me. And then I set off on my journey in life at working at radio stations, which I did full time up until a couple of years ago and just went around Texas and Dallas and Houston and the Southeast working at radio stations. Yeah, and now you do voiceovers, and you have an amazing voice. You can vary it, and I, I saw that on your Facebook. It's like crazy how you can change your voice. It's amazing. It's what I do. It's been a lot of time playing around with that, and I really do love voiceovers. And I have a small padded room called a whisper room right in front of me here that my wife says is perfect for me to be in a small padded room. I spend my days working in there, working on different projects, stuff like that. Yeah, and why I want to talk about connection is mainly because I went through extreme loneliness in my divorce. I don't know if it was the same thing for you, but for you, it was a divorce that happened a long time ago. It was like 20 years ago, but going through a divorce, pretty much every single person I've interviewed have had a lot of loneliness, a lot of depression, suicidal thoughts, and when we reconnected, it was like we had a, we were on the phone for an hour and a half mm-hmm. uh, talking about everything, both simple things, laughter, but also more serious things. You shared about some things that I had no idea that you'd gone through. But it's a lot of times through those things, when you're vulnerable and you're willing to be open and transparent, that's when you really connect. I shared about my divorce and how extremely difficult that was. And you shared about other things. And I just want to share that because the listeners are, a lot of them are going to go through the same thing. They're going to go through this loneliness, depression, these thoughts of not wanting to be here anymore. And I just want to bring hope that there is hope. And how do you do that? Yeah, I got to say for me, if I had loneliness and depression, I didn't realize it at the time because rather than go through those feelings, I chose to drink them away. (laughs) And when you and I knew each other in high school, I did not realize that I had set myself on a path with addiction, you know, with alcohol and chemicals. And when I got divorced at the same time, 
I had an option to take a big job in Baton Rouge to run one of the biggest radio stations in Louisiana. And it was a fun job. And there was a lot of record reps would come in from Nashville and take you out to dinner every night. And there was a lot of hanging out with the country stars and stuff. And so I really felt like, well, you know what? So what? Okay, I got divorced. No big deal. She fell in love with somebody else and didn't want to be married to me anymore. And so I thought, well, that's fine. She didn't want to be married. Uh, We weren't married that long. I'm going to be fine. And as soon as I got divorced, left, moved to a new city, and it was a city where there was a lot of late nights, and, and I just tried to mask what was going on. Yeah, you're not the only one that has, uh, through the divorce, started drinking and trying to just drown all the problems. I've interviewed several people that's gone through that uh, period of trying to just using alcohol or drugs as medicine. And what triggered you to start? Was it the divorce or was it other things prior to that that triggered to start using drugs? When I look back now, it was set out on that course in Slayton. When I was very young, I was getting ready to go into the seventh grade, and there was a big party at at one of the kids' um, houses, and I went there, and I I drank for the first night, and it was, frankly, I had a lot of fun, and I felt like I had found the answer to all my problems. I drink, and I feel great. I feel like Superman, and I, I think I actually maybe got some respect at school because of some of the crazy stuff I did that night, and I I was always, from that point on, looking forward to the next time that I was going to get an opportunity to do that. Paul's definitely been through a lot of things. And uh, I am grateful for the broken road that brought me to where I am. Another thing that I did, too, in addition to chemicals, was I tried to use relationships. I had a great job. I made a lot of money. I went out with a lot of girls. And that was not... We've talked about how you have to heal before you can move on. And so... I was probably terrible to a lot of people. I was not the man that that God created me to be. I was just sick. And at the end of 2004, I lost that job in Baton Rouge. I, I was there for five or six years. And then it got really rough and ended up in 2006. I was able to get clean and sober. And so it'll be 15 years next year. And one day at a time, my life has been restored. But, you know, I met a guy who had been more of a thug than I was, this guy who had been a hoodlum, and he had a lovely wife and a beautiful baby, and I asked him, how did you, a thug like yourself, end up with an angel like this? Yeah. And well, I asked another guy that same question, and he told me that he had prayed to God to put a good, God-fearing woman in his life, and it had worked. And so he said, I don't know, maybe give it a try, but it worked for me. <laughs> and this guy ends up saying that to me. I don't know. It worked for me. So uh, he, that's he said he started praying, God, please put a good God-fearing woman in my life. And I thought, well, I'm just going to do it. I'm skeptical about a lot of things, and I don't follow through on a lot of things. But this is one thing I did. I'm not saying I remember to do it every day because I didn't. But yeah. for years, I, I was praying that prayer. And certainly now today I have met and married and have a beautiful seven-year-old. And at 53, I have a four-month-old. My wife is 10 years younger than me, but still we are, we were 53 and 43 and had our second and final baby. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. This this is what I want to hear. These stories where you're happily married, you have kids, you have a newborn at 53 
And yeah. that there is hope. People that are going through this, they, <laughs> they can make it. And that's so cool that somebody else gave you a glimmer of hope. That's true. I took that nugget that he shared with me and it changed my life. That's what I want this podcast to be, to hear these stories, to hear that there is light in the end of the tunnel, even though if it's really dark right now, it doesn't have to stay there. And just do it like Paul did, one day at a time, say a prayer or reach out to people and get that help you need. You cannot do this alone. Uh, I keep telling people that because it's pretty much impossible. It's going to take you forever to get out of this dark place. If you're in the divorce right now, if you're in a dark place, if you have these sad, difficult thoughts, suicidal thoughts, etc., you got to go and get help. Get a good friend, get a counselor, get a coach, and get you back on track. Yeah. And I would just say it is a big deal. It's a big deal to go through a divorce. I know now what I was doing was minimizing. Ah, it's not a big deal. I'm, I'm having a good time. I'm getting paid. Life is fine. It's okay. I really told myself that. But what I didn't realize was it's a really big deal to go through. Yeah. I know that you did not have any children from your first marriage. And uh, when you involve kids, it's even more difficult not to minimize your situation, but it, it makes it a whole another level of difficulty when you continue to share the kids and trying to work together for, to bring them up. So that is another thing that's, that can become very difficult. But when you were going through this difficult period of drug use and alcohol use, what was it that triggered you to stop? What, uh, was it like external things or was it something that you just became aware of or what happened? My life became completely unmanageable. I got to where the harder I tried, the worse things got. And my career had gone from, I was in a really good place in my career to where I was kind of being thrown on the a junk heap. I was not someone who could be counted on. I wasn't a person of the truth. My character became affected and I wasn't a bad guy. I was a sick guy, but yeah. I was a sick guy who did a lot of bad things because it took hold of me. And addiction was what brought me to, it was either, I found my, myself at that point where you're either going to go on to the bitter end, which may not be far at all. I'd been in uh, different emergency rooms. I remember yeah. I left one and a doctor followed me out and said, people that come in with your levels, they normally go out on a gurney. They don't normally walk out. It's the miracle that you're walking out of here. You got a real problem. And I remember thinking, ah, it's not that big a deal. He thinks it's worse than it is. But that was it. I just had to do something new or die, frankly. Was it like a final straw that just made you change or was it progress or? I had several final straws. I, I got really good at quitting drinking. It was staying quit. That was the problem. But I found myself in Fort Myers, Florida. I had taken a job there and I was doing a great job. In some ways, however, my addiction was affecting my ability to do my job and they made a decision to, to move on. And so I went and rented a hotel room, not that nice of a hotel room on Fort Myers Beach and for I think 30 days. And I was going to send out my resume and find my next job. And after four days, I had not been asleep. Oh, and wow. And I found myself in this little hotel room, Memories of Florida is the name of it. And I found myself in a very bad place 
where, let's not get it complicated, but earlier on, after I graduated from high school, my addiction had started. I had gotten help and I had been clean and sober for six months and I decided it's not that big a deal. It's okay. I went on and through my adult life, I was using alcohol and mostly alcohol and sometimes drugs just to change the way I felt. And so that night in the hotel room in Florida, it occurred to me before I'm getting ready to pass out. I was like, I've got to go back and get help from the 12-step program. I got to do that tomorrow. Yeah. And here's what's really strange. That next day, when I came to, it was 1145. And the very first thought that I had was, I've got to call and get help. And so I called the hotline. Back then, you couldn't Google it. You had to call and say, in Fort Myers, Florida, yes, I need the number four. And I, I asked for the number for the 12-step program. And I called and I'm on the phone with this lady. And she says, hey, I tell her where I am. And she says, now, honey, are you on the uh, Gulf side or are you on the street side? I I know that hotel that you're talking about. And I said, I'm on the street side. And she said, okay, could you open the door to your hotel room or motel room, I guess? And uh, I did. And she said, do you see a little white church across the street? And I said, yeah. And she said, Okay, there's a meeting starting over there in 15 minutes at 12 o'clock. Do you think you can make it across the street? And I was like, okay, yeah, I can. And that was it. I just I walked across the street. I walked into this little church where they were having a meeting, and there was a guy telling somebody. The guy said, how long have you been sober, Walter? And he said, 20 years. And I just grabbed this guy by the arm and I said, will you be my sponsor? Will you help me? Because I knew I had to have help. It was just that moment. And so the guy went, yeah, okay. (laughs) I'm Walter. And that got me on the journey of recovery. Wow. I, I do have experience of it myself in our family. And it doesn't only affect the person using, it affects the whole family in many ways. Well, There's no easy answers there. All I know when it comes to that subject is all I know to say is that there is help. Somebody wants help can get help. And, And the way you do it is you find other drunks that aren't drinking and you get with them and do what they do. And for me, I've had the opportunity to, I've got one guy in particular, Gerald, who has been my sponsor for 13 years. And he's walked with me through life and we have a a friendship and he's the closest thing to an earthly father that I have. And he's been sober longer than I'm probably going to be able to live to be sober. But I know that it can be done because I see somebody doing it. It's just like the way this podcast is going to help that person that's struggling. I was devastated and I find myself now married to this girl of my dreams. She's beautiful on the inside and out. She's smart and funny and she makes amazingly good chicken salad and beautiful babies. <laughs> you know, we, we have, uh, uh, summer and I'm so grateful. I tell her all the time, hey, thank you for marrying me. I always felt like I was just on the outside looking in and I don't feel that way anymore. And it didn't happen quickly. I think this journey, life is a journey. It goes up and down. It has its uh, valleys. It has its tops. And uh, to make this journey a fabulous journey, but uh, to go through these valleys can sometimes be difficult. How did you reconnect with some of those people? There are some people that you're never going to connect with again. There are some people that have put you 
I mean, they have seen you in a light that they can't unsee. And that is just, it has to be what it is. But when you start talking about the relationships in my life with my mother gave me a birthday card the other day, and she talked about how I've seen you grow to be someone who I, I respect. Wow. Man, my mom had a lot of reasons not to respect me for a long time, but she never stopped fighting for me. And yeah. my sister will talk about how not to to be hurtful to me, but when she talks honestly about how rough it was for all of those that weren't drunk during that period, yeah. you know, I realize, but I think a lot of this stuff just works out. Some relationships have been restored. Others are never going to be, but I have beautiful relationships in my life and I wouldn't change one thing because it took what it took for me to get here. Yeah. What, you said you dated quite a bit after divorce and, uh, then you met your wife. Well, some of this we're talking about is a long time ago. So I had moved to Baton Rouge. I was recently oh. divorced. I was making more money than I've ever made in my life. And I dated a lot. And I kept thinking, well, she's not right. And she's not right. And she's not right. But she wasn't the problem. I, I was the problem because I never healed. I just stayed drowning. And once I went through the process of getting my sobriety back in 2006, then my career started to grow again. Good things were happening and I was getting better jobs. And I found myself in Knoxville, Tennessee, which is very near here in Sevierville, which is the home of Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton's got a home right down the road. I'm working in Knoxville. My mom wants to go to a stay in a cabin in the Smokies for her birthday. So my sister comes down from Washington, D.C. Dr. Orr works for the Department of Commerce in, in D.C. And I get a cabin for us. And when we checked in at the cabins and they said, hey, if you hadn't had lunch yet, the sweetest little farmhouse cafe you've ever had in your life is right down the road and you got to try the pie. The pie is delicious. And later I found that Mary Lou actually was the one that makes those pies. And she was right. They are delicious, but I always got a kick out of that. I went into the Tin Roof Cafe with my mom and sister, the sweet little farmhouse, which is beautiful right by the Apple Barn in, in Pigeon Forge. It's a famous little area there. And when we walked in, as we ordered, she said, have you met Summer yet? And I'm like, who's summer and uh, this six foot tall really beautiful woman comes from behind me making some joke at my expense would say I can't remember now but we went and we sat down to eat and my mom took a bite of her food and went oh. and I said mama are you okay and she said Paul, this is the best chicken salad I have ever put in my mouth and it was just this amazing quaint cafe that there's no way to tell you how oh it was amazing and so everybody was number one on TripAdvisor in Sevierville and everybody loved it and raved about it and I began to court this beautiful woman and she went out with me and I was pretty much in love from the jump and I had gone back that weekend and ordered all the cakes and pies. <laughs> you need to free coffee stuff. Yeah. So, I'm living about 45 minutes away and we're Facebook friends. This is going to be 2009 and we got to know each other slowly, went through that process and I was certain that she was the one for me long before she was certain that I was the one for her. Okay. I quit because I was hooked. Through time, I ended up understanding that, okay, the resort that we're staying at, her mom and dad started that back when the oh. World Fair was coming to, so it was her family's cabins that we were staying in. It's called Hidden Mountain. It's a okay. beautiful, charming, 
amazing place, hiddenmountain.com. And we end up getting married and I get this job offer to go to Birmingham, Alabama. And we pray about it and talk about it. We decide that we we're going to go. I'm going to shorten the story's flowing pretty good. Now you got me talking. <laughs> so we closed the cafe. We moved to Birmingham. We had our daughter and then Summer's mom and dad had called and said, hey, if y'all ever want to come back home and bring our grandbaby back home, just come and, and have the farmhouse the, in the farmhouse where the cafe was. So we moved back into the very cafe where we met, where she had her restaurant. Oh, wow. Yeah. And we lived there and it was just surreal. And then a few couple years ago, we were able to buy our home here and not far from there and just are building our life with our girls. And because now we have Imogene Ann and Vivian Lou, and they're both, their middle names are our moms. So my mom, Margie Ann. So anyway, and Summer's mom is Brenda Lou. So the girls are named after them. And we're just happily living life here in Sevierville in the Smoky Mountains, right in the foothills. Such a wonderful story. It's uh, wonderful to hear it, but you've also uh, heard the story, and that's what's so powerful to hear that you, Paul, went through a very deep valley between high school and your current situation. It's not like it happened overnight, and that can be very frustrating. I remember myself initially in the divorce. You can't see the light in the end of the tunnel. You, you can like it, it's so dark in a way. Do you have any advice for a person that is going through divorce? You went through divorce a long time ago, but I don't know if you remember how it was. But for somebody that's currently, it can be that they're just going through divorce right now, or maybe it's been many years and they're still like in this dark place. Do you have anything like you could tell them or encouragement or what to do? I do think there are a lot of people that are struggling and I think it's easy to fall in with people that are struggling when you're struggling. I look at my life now and I think about the men that surround myself with and they're such quality guys and Bible study and being involved in a Sunday school at church and being part of a church for me. It's not that everybody that's hanging out in bars is bad and it's not that everybody that's hanging out in church is perfect. For me, I spent a lot of time in places that were shady and I ended up doing shady things. And so now I try to focus. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that I was just blessed to marry someone who has that great relationship and has walked with God throughout her life. And she's such a great example that they learn from her every day and get wisdom from her. But I just believe that if you feel lost and you feel like you're struggling, you got to stop associating with people that are lost and struggling. And you need to get with people that have positive things going on in their life and to do that. And just don't give up because there there are times when you're going to do well for a while and you're going to go, hey, I got this. We're good. And then boom. The wheels come off again. And there'll be times when things seem so terrible that it just seems pointless to keep going. But yet there's something good right around the corner. And so you don't quit and you keep focusing your eyes on things that are good. But that is such a great advice. I usually ask that question to every person I interview and I get different answers. And I think this is probably the first time I got that answer. But I think that is crucial to surround yourself with people that bring you up and not bring you down. And you usually say that you become like your five closest friends. 
And for example, if you pick five people around you that are way below you, that have difficulties with all kinds of stuff, that's who you're going to become. And uh, instead of finding people and picking them up, and and uh, it can be old friends that you've had in high school, like <laughs> I contact Paul here, or it can be a friend that you find in church, or just reach out to people. That's what I say. Having good friends, deep friends, where you can share your difficulties with is so crucial. For, for me, it was very difficult to share about the divorce because I had so much shame about it, and mm-hmm. especially in church. And it's so sick in a way, but they preach so strongly about staying married, but not about divorce. So I felt like a failure. And uh, I didn't want to go back to church because uh, I had so much shame about it. I had failed. And to share it with close friends, I didn't want to do that either because of all the shame. Yeah. And I understand you listeners that go through this, but it's so important to take the courage and reach out to a friend and tell him what you're going through. That's what I got as advice from my counselor. Just reach out to a few people that you trust and have, of course, good quality people, but uh, to talk about what you're going through because that's such a healing in just talking to people about it. Yeah. And it, it is a process. Like for me, I wasn't ready Several years ago, a decade ago, I wasn't ready to hang out with the people that I hang out with today because I wasn't capable of being the kind of friend that you would want to be. But I've stayed on the path and I've been affected by spending a lot of time, as you just said, you're affected by the people you're around. And as I have been able to build friendships where I could be honest and share I've been able to build deeper friendships and been able to grow, but I'm taking the long way to say what has happened for me. It took 20 years and it took, it's going to take time. In my case, it it was going to take a long time to heal because there was a lot of damage, but it happens if you keep going. Yeah. And having awesome friends around you. And I think like two thirds of the listeners are men. And I know Mm -hmm. Sometimes men has a little bit harder time to ask for help. And uh, it's not wrong to ask for help. It's uh, quite the opposite. It's wisdom to ask for help and getting people around you. It can be an awesome friend that you trust, but it can also be a counselor or a coach or a mentor. Somebody's already done the journey. And I usually take that as an example because uh, my name of the podcast is Rock in Life Podcast. And rock climbing, I started rock climbing with the kids about a year ago. And it's one of the most amazing sports, but it's a good analogy about life. As you climb up a mountain, you can have paths that are very easy uh, where you don't need a guide. But the, you're also going to hit some, if you're going to climb a big mountain like Mount Everest, where you don't go, you're not even allowed to go up there without a guide. And the same thing in life. If you go through these severe, difficult paths where you have snowstorms, ice storms, like in Kentucky up where you live, you have these ice storms that are terrible. To go through these storms of life without having a guide or a mentor is plain old stupid. You need help. And you need to reach out to get these people around you, surround yourself with these people that can help you on this life journey when you're in the bottom. And then when you come on up on top, you can help other people along this journey. And that's going to heal you even more by reaching out and getting out of yourself. And that's going to be part of your journey. Everybody that you reach out to for help is not going to help. Sometimes you have to knock on some doors and, and it's okay. You know, I mean, 
don't be a quitter like I know I can be and go, well, I tried that and, they, they, and he didn't help me at all or that friend, that, that didn't do any good at all. Well, keep trying because wow. it may take some knocking on different doors before you find that person that is right there to say, hey, let me come walk beside you and walk you through this. And yeah, but all, everything, it's great advice that you have there, man, it, for sure. It's good that you mentioned that because sometimes it's not the right fit either. It can be a, that you're friends, but it's not the, that you don't have the trust, but it can also be that it's a counselor or a coach and you don't feel that they understand you. And uh, then you just go and find a different coach or a different counselor or mentor that you feel that you connect with. So not all counselors are, are best for you. So that's definitely really good advice. But um, we're going to round this podcast off. It was so nice to have you on. And I'd love to get an update on the family and everything and what's going on here in the future in maybe six months or so and hear this awesome voice here. Uh (laughs) But it was a pleasure having you on the podcast, Paul. So much fun. And like a little encouragement to the listeners that are lonely, reach out to an old friend from high school. And I guarantee you, you're going to find some awesome gems in there that you can reconnect with and, and really get to know. Pierre, thank you so much, man. It's, I really am honored that you would spend time with me today. And I, I have to tell you, is I think that I listened to, I've listened to some episodes and the help that you're providing for people is going to go a long way, man. And so I congratulate you and encourage you to keep doing what you're doing and keep helping people find their way out. Because, you know, it's a big, scary forest to be lost alone in. And it's good to have somebody point you the way out. And I know you're doing that for a lot of people. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I've gotten so much feedback from a lot of listeners. And it's very encouraging. And I'd love if you send in the, your questions to rockinglifepodcast.gmail.com. Go and join our Facebook group at Rockin' Life After Divorce and join our team together. We grow together. We learn like none of us are perfect. And even though my divorce was five years ago, I never felt better in my whole life. And Paul's is 20 years ago. But we're still on a journey to learn, to reconnect, to go on this life journey. So uh, I just uh, encourage you to join us. Let's have an awesome life together and help each other grow. So once again, thank you, Paul, for this time. And all, all the listeners, see you soon again. Thank you, brother.